We'll be reading the responsibly verses 23 through 30. Page 337 in your Schofield Bible. 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, verses 23 through 30. Reading the verses responsibly and, as always, standing for the reading of the Scripture. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words. And David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him, and were sore afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that is come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches, and will give him his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men, and Eliab's answer was kindled against David, and he said, Why camest thou down hither, and with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride, and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down, that thou mightest see the battle. In the text verse, And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another, and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. And let's pray. And David asked the question of his brother, Is there not a cause? And that's the text. And I want you to give me a good hearing tonight. Is there not a cause? The most miserable person in this room tonight is that person who's living without a cause, which is outside of himself. Those of you who choose where you live and what you do on the basis of what you lack will rot. You'll rot. Those of you that choose on the basis of a of taste, your own enjoyment, your personal pleasure, you're in for a miserable life. You'll believe it, but you are. You are. If you want to see a miserable bunch of people, you go to a retirement area where the rich rot. And watch them play shuffleboard. Most miserable crowd in the world. Why? Nobody. I said nobody. I said nobody. Is going to have a happy life 
who does not live for a cause. David said, is there not a cause? Hear me out. Father, bless the service, bless the message, bless the thought. I'd like to think tonight that this sermon could literally change the plans of the, some young people who are about to do something stupid because they like a planet or like a house or want to make some money and are going to go somewhere and make a foolish, worldly, satanic decision. A life without a cause. I pray you'd shake them tonight from their sin. I said sin. And I pray tonight you'd give our young people a cause that's outside themselves. And I pray for some older people who laid down their trowel and laid down their hammer and saw and laid down their sword and laid down their weapons to go rest and rot what they call recreate or have recreation the rest of their lives. Oh my God in heaven, how foolish we are. We leave the happiest days of our lives to seek that which has made nobody happy to make ourselves happy. I pray tonight should be a transforming time for some. Amen. David, listen, I said, listen, David was tending a few sheep in the wilderness. His father, Jesse, told him that he wanted to take some bread, some corn, and some cheese, and some vittles down to his brethren who were fighting against the Philistines. David got down there. And somebody said, did you hear about that Philistine from Gath, that big giant almost ten feet tall, who, who breathes out threatenings and challenges against God's people? <coughs> and uh, if, if, if anybody can kill that giant, the king has said, and by the way, the king ought to be the one that did it. The king was the biggest guy in Israel. He was head and shoulders bigger than anybody else. He's the guy that should be down there taking on that big giant. And so the king has said, he'll give somebody riches, give his daughter, and also make free men of all the house and the family of this man, if this man will kill this big Philistine giant from Gath. And everybody's afraid. Little David said, who is this big Philistine? Who is it? He could talk, should talk like that against God's people. What's wrong with us? Good night. We've got the living God on our side. Why are we afraid of this big blowhard? That's in the Hebrew you'll find is You have to check the original language to find that. What? What's wrong with us? This big blowhard, this big idiot, by the bigger they come, the harder they fall. And David said, what's wrong with us? David's oldest brother came and said, now, look, brother, look, young bud, what are you doing here? We left you back home to take care of the sheep. You're just a kid. What are you doing down here? Who's taking care of those few sheep at home? And you came down here just to see the battle, and you're wasting your time, and you, it's wrong for you to be here. Now get back home. 
David said to his brother, Is there not a cause? And the verse that follows leads us to believe that the next brother of David came and said, Brother, what are you doing here? Get back home. And we're led to believe that David said the same thing to him. Is there not a cause? And the next brother, and the next, and the, all the brothers that tried to persuade David to go back home. And David, as we think, I think, that according to what the scripture says here, that David answered every one of them with this question. Is there not a cause? Listen to me. Look at the stumbling son. <laughs> Walking and stumbling down Skid Row tonight. Trying to find a cigarette butt that's not completely used. Or find a liquor bottle that has maybe a half a swallow left in it. Or a few drops he can add to another. That he can add to another. He can add to another to get him just a little bit more to drink. Look at him. What's wrong with that fella? Why is... He there. How many wives? He has no cause. You can word it any way you want to word it. You can say he has nothing that challenges him. He has nothing he's trying to do. He has no purpose in life. Or as David said, he has no cause. Look at the teens. Thousands of them. <coughs> smoking their pot. Listening to some heathen Beastly, godless, heathen, wicked, vile, so-called substitute for a singer up there wiggling his body like a snake crawling across the pavement on the highway and breathing out stuff he calls music, which is not music at all, that was conceived in hell and brought to earth and to people on earth by way of rock music and rock bands and for those who are more interested in money for their wicked pockets and food for their their, their guzzling uh, and liquor and food, their guzzling mouths and their, their fat stomachs than they are of the character and the decency and the future and the health and the happiness of our young people. Look at that crowd of young people there. Watch them drink their booze and see the smoke of pot as it rises heavenward like an unholy offering, defying their God. Look at them. What's wrong with those kids? Tell me what's wrong with those kids. They have no cause. That's what's wrong with them. They have nothing about themselves or without themselves that causes them to improve themselves to do something that's a cause or a challenge or a goal. They have no cause. That's what's wrong with this country. We've lost our cause. I wonder sometimes if we could marshal an army if we were attacked. I wonder if our young people would look at our government and say, we won't go. And Mr. Carter, with that dumb, idiotic move to grant uh, 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 citizenship back to the, the draft doctors who wouldn't fight for their country in Vietnam. I wonder. You say, what's wrong with our young people? I'll tell you what's wrong with our young people. We wind them and dined them and spoiled them rotten and left them alone and haven't taught them and haven't spanked them and haven't disciplined them. And they have no cause. They have no purpose in life but to satisfy their own appetite because we've given them no work to do. We've given no challenge for them. And there they sit 
Without a cause. That's what's wrong with our young people. They have no cause. Look at the middle-aged man squandering a fortune. They've worked hard to make. Getting up late, letting others do the work of the job. <laughs> going down to the country club. Playing golf and drinking beer. Going out at night and taking vacations and living with a wicked life. And squandering that money that he worked hard to earn. What's happened to that man? What's wrong with that man? He's lost his cause. That's what's wrong with him. One time he had a cause. One time he had some dreams. One time he had, he had a purpose and he had something he was trying to accomplish. He had something that he was shooting at. But he got to that place to which he had looked and he had no further cause. And now his life is ruined. Look at that young person holding the needle and, and trembling, trying to put the needle in his arm. And look at all the holes that are there now. And watch him as he trembles. And watch him as he shakes. What's wrong with that young man? He has no cause. You take away the challenge of a cause for young people, and you take away their God-given heritage to be happy. Who are the happy people in life? That busy mother who holds a boy, a baby boy, in her arms, but she doesn't see a baby's face. She sees a man's face. A man of character. A man of purity. A man of honor. A man of integrity. A man of success. And she has a cause. She's going to see to it. That little baby boy she holds in her arms becomes what she sees in her mind. She has a cause. That's what drives her. That's what keeps her going. That's what makes her happy. We feel sorry for her because she takes in washing. Don't feel sorry for her. Feel sorry for that lazy gal watching the soap opera in the afternoon that doesn't have to do a thing but take the money her husband gives her and, and, and wine and dine herself with no cause. Who's the happy person? That working father. Who, while he toils at the plant or at the steel mill, every time he works a moment, he sees in his mind a man's face or a lady's face. And he has dreams of seeing that daughter go off to college or that son go off to college. He has a dream of seeing that son with a shingle over his door and an EMD after his name. He has a dream of seeing that son behind the pulpit, or seeing that son argue some case in court. He has a dream, and day after day, that man goes to work, and he works hard, and he comes home, but he sees that image of his son or his daughter. He has a call. That's the happy person. Who's the happy person? That sincere principal of a school who goes to a Christian school in the morning, and he sees those some faces as they walk through that door. And he has dreams. And he says, I'll give my life to making something out of those young people. And his whole life is wrapped up around one great cause. And that cause is to make Christian, decent, hard-working, respectable uh, people out of those children. And that's the principle of the happy man. Who is the happy person? That faithful pastor who sees the generation of young people sitting before him, who has dreams for them, and who gives his life and preaching. And his ministry to trying to see to it that
perhaps young people that God has placed and abused and set before him, and watch him and hear him preach that these young folks here on the front have done all of their lives, most of them. Who is the happy pastor? Not that one that wants a bigger salary or drive a Cadillac car or to live it up or eat, drink, and marry or have a big job or be a big shot or be president of the convention or head of the ministry association. No, sir! That happy pastor is that one who has a cause, and that cause is building the lives of those that call him preacher. Who is the happy person? That college teacher. Who teaches Bible at Hiles Anderson College? Who stands behind the, sits behind the desk or stands before his class day after day? And as he looks out at those young ministerial students, he doesn't see young men just starting to shave. He doesn't see young men dating and studying, just beginning their preparation for life. He doesn't see that. He sees a flaming pulpit somewhere across the country. He sees a nice church being built somewhere across the country. He sees a great evangelist somewhere calling America back to God. He has a cause, and the cause is he believes that somehow what he's doing might just add a little bit to the salvation of this country from ruining the judgment of God. Who is the happy person? That zealous youth, zealous youth who has a goal who has a purpose in his life, who has a cause. Young folks come to me sometimes, Brother O'Claire, junior's in college, and I say, what are your plans? I don't know. Well, learn that. Find out. Get yourself a cause. Nobody's happy without a purpose in life. Nobody's happy without being consumed by something that he feels that he can do for other people. He has a cause. David said to his older brother, he said, is there not a cause? I can't go back and tend the sheep with that bellering, loud mouth, blue heart up there challenging Israel. I can't go back home and sit there at my father's table with that big giant out there challenging Israel. Let me go take care of him. Is there not a cause? Who is the happy person? That loving wife who sees a successful fella and makes her cause, making him successful or sharing his success. Who is the happy person? It's a David Gibbs who says, I'll give up my law practice, my secular law practice, and I'll give as my cause the saving of the freedom of our churches, fundamental churches in America. Who is the happy person? It's that Don Howard who says, I'll build schools across this country. And I'll build Christian schools and organize them so any little church at the fork of the creek can have one. And I'll see to it any child in this land is close enough to a Christian school where this book is both believed and taught, and where prayer is both believed and practiced, and where there's separation and decency and integrity and respect for authority and patriotism and God in living. I'll give my life. That's a cause. That's the happy man. Who's the happy person? It's that person that has the cause. I see Dr. Sorak John Rice Friday evening in Columbus, Ohio. A year and a half ago, he had a serious heart attack. I saw him as he could, could not walk down the aisle of that big building about the size of this, I guess. And I saw him that he had to have somebody holding his arm as he walked slowly down the aisle. 
I saw him as he had to sit in the audience instead of go to the platform because he didn't want to take the chance of climbing those six to five or six steps. What makes an old man happy? I what makes him happy. Same thing that made him stand up and do the best he could to preach on Friday night before I did. Not with the vigor he had of youth. Not even with the zeal he had two years ago. But he keeps on. Why? He has a call. That's why. There's something bigger than him, outside of him, that draws him. He has a cause. Now, Dr. Bill and Bill Rice Reigns this week went up to the spot where Dr. Bill's body is resting. They're on the ranch in that big crypt. Remember Dr. Bill. What made old Dr. Bill so happy? What made him perhaps the most charming personality I've ever known? What made him <coughs> so delightful? I heard a tape the other day of one of his sermons, a little bit. <coughs> He's preaching about rearing kids. And he said, we ran our family like a business. We had a board. He said, my dad made all the motions. And we seconded all the moves. What made that man charming? What did it? I what? These men that could have made their millions. And don't you think for a single minute, brother, that these giants for God couldn't be driving Cadillacs and being worth millions of dollars right now if they had done like some of you are doing? But he had a cause. His little daughter became deaf when she was a youngster. He decided that he'd see to it that deaf people would have a chance. These 20 million people in America, the government classifies as being deaf. And now you can hardly go to a village or town or a hamlet or a city or a neighborhood anywhere in this country that doesn't have an interpreter standing up interpreting like Miss Jeffers is doing right now because Dr. Bill Rice was possessed with a cause. Give yourself a cause. My mother, when the last child has disappeared into the darkness after the, after the wedding ceremony, don't stop. Find yourself a cause. Don't give up. Don't die. Give another cause. Dad, when the dependents are all gone and the children have found their ways to the altar of the college classroom, and your cause has seemingly ended, you find another cause. Sunday school class, if we need to Invest in some poor kid and see to it he gets to go to the college for you. You pay his tuition in high school and you watch him and you pray for him. You get something, a bus route, be it a departmental superintendent, go to the, go to the fisherman's club, do something, get yourself a cause. Lose yourself in it. Church, when you reach 5,000 or 10,000 in Sunday school and there are no other churches to be, don't lose your cause. Keep on looking for a cause. See a young Alexander the Great, becoming Alexander the Puny, age of 29. And hearing that, he said, I have no more worlds to conquer. He turns to liquor and breaks himself to death. Why? He has no cause. As I said a while ago, if you want to see a miserable bunch, you go to a retirement area where the rich rot in some of these places in Florida or, or Arizona or California, and you watch these rich men who've been the new chairman of the board and built the corporation, 
and had big jobs and had power and had causes. And you watch those men uh, 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 push a disc on a shuffleboard or chase a little round ball across a pasture a half a day, and they have no cause. You watch them. You watch them die early. And you look at their faces. A man who's, who's built an empire cannot be happy rolling a disc down a shuffleboard. Compare them with the Colonel Sanders. Well, after he was already passed his three score and ten, built the big fried chicken empire. Or Ray Kroc, who after he was three score and ten, built the big McDonald's hamburgers empire. Or Moses, who at the age of eighty was called of God and or began his earthly ministry. He had a cause. Or Casey Stingle, who became manager of the New York Yankees at seventy-five. Or a Caleb. But he said, give me this mountain. Fine. Or Picasso, who built this mess over here at the Chicago Civic Center. At 88, he had a cause. Not much of a cause, but a cause. A good plumber could have done the same thing. Compare these who are rotting without a cause. But the words were, who was Port Laureate at the age of 74, or George Washington Carver, who, was, who, who joined the Department of Agriculture at the age of 71, or Gladstone, who became Prime Minister of England at 85, or Thomas Edison, who invented the mimeograph machine at 85, or Benjamin Franklin, who helped write the Constitution at 81, or a John Wesley, who at 88 was still preaching, or a Connie Mack, who stayed a manager well into his 80s, or uh, an R.G. Lee, who at 90 years of age preached an hour and a half, one sermon from behind this pulpit. I compare him to a Sarah who had a baby when she was 90. Better get with it, Mama. Get <laughs> a call. Oh, let me tell you something, folks. You better listen to me. You better listen to me. Some of you folks can't wait. But you don't have to carry that load anymore so you can get enough money stacked away so you can lay down your burden. The minute you do, you'll take a burden that's the biggest one you ever had because you'll lose your cause. A cause! That cause should not be how much can I make? And that cause should not be how pretty a climate and area can I live in. And that cause should not be what kind of house should I have? Or what kind of car should I drive? Or how much money should I make? There's something bigger in life than that. Rise above it. Get you a cause outside yourself that lifts you above yourself. Cause. A cause. Good night. What's wrong with us? I don't know, brother, what you're going to do. I may die young, but I'm not going to rot. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to move to Florida and build me a flower garden and sit out there and swing and watch those petunias grow. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to spend my life shuffling a disc or getting one of those balls, that dumb game they got down there in Florida, Get these balls and roll them on the, on the yard. Can you imagine me spending my life 
rolling the ball. You see, you see those old people. <laughs> Not me, buddy. I want to keep moving. I may wear out, but I'm not going to rust out. Now, I'm not going to rot. Ten thousand times to the drop dead in the harness. And lose the cause. But you say, preacher, I'm not famous. I can't be the prime minister of England. I have a baby at 90. Most of you can't. Well, I can't manage the Philadelphia Athletics, as Connie Mack did. Our coach football, when I was approaching 100, as Alonzo Stagg did. Or be a great preacher at 80, like Moses was. Or pastor, or be a great, great pastor, a preacher, or a pulpiteer at 90, like Archie Lee was. Or edit a Source Award magazine at 83, like John Rice does. Or write a famous track that'll circle the globe. And still be getting that track out when I'm 80, like Fort Porter did. Okay, you can't do that, but you can have a cause. You can be a Maxine Jeffries. Let your cause be the providing your hands as ears for those who cannot hear. Or you can be a Sam Woodridge and give your life to a little handful of blind people and vow that you'll be their eyes. To those who can't see. Or you can be a John Colston and have a cause that you're going to comfort those who are sick and encourage those who are discouraged and sit beside the beds of those who are dying and comfort those who've lost loved ones. A cause. I'm not telling you what kind of cause to have. I'm saying get you a cause. Young people, you get you a cause in life. You get you something to eat you up. You've got to do it. You've got to do it. It's on the inside of you. And I don't care if you're 95 years of age. Don't you sit there beside that television set and just watch as the world turns. You help turn the world. Get you a cause. You could be a jock of it and give birth to Moses or a Hannah. And pray for a son that you could give to God. Or you could be a Sunday school superintendent and make your cause contributing your part to the lives of those children that come through your department. Or you could get you a little Sunday school class of little boys and girls and you could say, for the grace of God, I'm going to see to it those kids turn out right. Or you could be a school teacher in a Christian school. Or if nothing else, you could sell more candy than any other school does in America. Oh, I love that scripture. Watch over thy hand and find it to do good with thy might. Boy, I can't stand it by doing anything halfway. If I was a cow, I'd give more milk than any cow in the county. If I saw a bucket next to mine, bigger than mine, I'd eat more grass than that cow did. I'd figure out so much. If I couldn't, if I couldn't give more milk than that cow, I'd figure some way to spring a leak in that cow so her milk would drop on the ground. I don't like second place. I'm tired of seeing America come in second. I'm tired of seeing the hammer and sickle raised above the stars and stripes at the Olympic Games. I'm tired of old Castro's country licking our country in boxing. Tired of it. We've lost our cause. 
purpose. You've lost the purpose in life. You've lost a reason to live. David said, is there no cause? Or you could be a seamstress who could sew some of these outfits for these girls. You know how they do. They come home on Saturday and say, Mother, I need this for tomorrow. All you got to do is 10 o'clock Saturday night. All you got to do is find the material and have it built. We got to sing tomorrow morning. You could be a seamstress. You could be a Mrs. Bartels who prays for her preacher while he's preaching every day around the country. You could be the best. I tell preachers, you'd be the biggest something. Build the biggest church in your state. You can't do that, build the biggest thing in town. You can't build that, build the biggest thing in the south side of town. You can't do that, build the biggest thing in your block. I used to drive by the Christian Fellowship Church over here when they used to run a thousand. We run them seven hundred years ago. I wanted to grab an axe and chop that stuff. They put it out in the front. Sunday school finished last Sunday, a thousand eight. We were running 700. I don't want to lose. Well, you see, Brother Howard, you ought to be a good loser. I don't need to be a good loser. Preacher up here in Rockford, Illinois. I say a preacher, a reverend. I say a reverend. He had an R.E.V. in front of his name. Came up to me one, one night while I was preaching at a big convention up there, and the mayor of the city was right beside me. He said, Reverend Howes, he said, you strike me as being a very poor loser. Is that true? I said, I don't know. I ain't never lost. I'm not being cocky. I'm not being conceited. I'm simply saying God wants winners. God didn't say I can do no things through Christ who's making the me. Didn't say, seek ye seventeenth, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Didn't say nothing is, nothing is possible to those that believe. He didn't say a few things are possible. He said all things are possible. Get your calls. Little David comes up there on the front. That big old giant said, ah, I dare you. No Saul trembles there. The Lord boy, I'll give my daughter. Anybody can kill him. I bet the daughter sure felt good about that. I bet she walked up and said, Dad, I'm sure proud of you. <coughs> Old David walks up and says, Amen! His older brother says, Go back home and take care of your sheep. David could have said, I could if you do what you ought to do. But somebody in this nation's got to have enough guts to go up there and fight that big blowhard. But that uncircumcised Philistine, what rights he got to breathe out threatenings against the people of the living God? Go home, David! I can't! That's the cause. You said, Preacher, how can I get a cause? Listen carefully. First place, if you have an obstacle, that's your cause. You can't see. Do like old Bill Falstaff did down in Texas, one of my deacons who was blind. He decided. He is going to build on that obstacle. What the blind man did? Went to a television repair school. 
and became a television repairman. I go by his house, see him in his garage, his little shop, instead of there. Reaching in that stupid thing, trying to feel those things. I wouldn't reach in there, wouldn't touch one of those things, looking at it. <laughs> one day I went by his house, by, by a person's house, looked up Bill Falstead blind, up on the roof, repairing the antenna. I said, hey, Bill, what you doing up there? He said, it's my job. Come on up. I said, no, sir, I'm not fall. He said, I'll hold on to you. Also, I said this, if you've had one of your causes shattered, get you another one. Get you another one. You say, how can I get a cause? If you can't find a cause for God around First Baptist Church of Hammond, you'll never find a cause. With all the ministers we have here and all the needs we have here, why don't you make, make it a cause of maybe cheering up some of these dear college students' wives that have all but gotten a divorce? I mean, they're not, well, they would get one, but they haven't got time to get one. And they came home, came here. And their husband's going to school at 7 in the morning and, and, uh, and get off at 1, go to work at 2 and work till midnight, come home and study. They're all out here. They need somebody to be a buddy or a friend to them. What a cause that would be. Get you a cause of helping some of these deaf folks back there. Learn the sign language and get a call. Don't sit back in the pew and say, well, it's not the same old church. It's just changing all the time. All these new folks coming in here. Oh, shut up. Get you a cause. Thank God we've got new folks coming in here. Thank God we're baptizing six and seven thousand a year. Thank God we have a college that attracts people from all over America, every state in this union. Thank God we have a youth conference that attracts thousands of young people from all over this land. Thank God we have a pastor school that will cause 50 states and 21 foreign countries to be represented in one year. Thank God we have a grade school. And thank God we have our two high schools. And thank God we have a junior high school. And thank God we have a cemetery. Go on out there. What do you mean you can't find a cause? And that's why you're disgruntled, and that's why you get unhappy. Why? You haven't got a cause. That's why people who have a cause don't get unhappy. They're consumed in others. Consumed. Get yourself a cause. And then you say, how do I know if I have a cause? If one comes your way, take it. I like what that mountain climber said. He was nearly blind. He climbed Mount Everest. A reporter came out from the local radio station and interviewed him and said, well, Sir, why did you, almost blind, climb Mount Everest? And, and the fellow said, Because it's there. Because it's there. Folks used to laugh at me. Just one little preacher. When I said I was going to give my life to try to save my country, folks made fun of me. Folks said, what is one little preacher like you going to do to help save your country? 
And I didn't know how to answer, but I knew God wanted me to do my best to help save this generation. And I set out to try to do what I could. And suddenly I sat down and I thought, what can I do? And it dawned on me. The answer is preachers. And I set out to reach every preacher I could. And try to stir young men and stir preachers to do something big for God. You'll forgive me if I'm being a little vain in my old age. But you'll have a pretty tough time finding a finding a, a neighborhood anywhere in this land or a town of any size anywhere in this land where there's not a good fundamental soul winning church that's not been influenced by the ministry right here. Why? I have a cause. I have a cause that these young folks on the front and be as free as we are when they're our age. I have a cause that there'll be a church within a few miles of every family in America where they can go and hear the gospel preached and sin condemned and the word of God defended and souls saved. I have a cause. I have a cause that those churches that are being built all over this land will build schools where there'll be a school within the driving distance of every child in America that believes the book and teaches what's right, the historic patriotism and fundamentalism of our land. And last New Year's Eve, when the clock struck midnight, I had preached to over 38,000 different preachers last year across this land. I say, why? Because I'm consumed. Cause. Cause! I'm consumed with the cause. And I want to see these young people who stood a while ago and those that didn't to turn out right. I have a cause. Nobody. When he breathed his last breath, his family walks up and down the car to the hospital waiting for the doctor to come out and give the news. Finally, they take that sheet and pull it over his body. His family comes and pulls it back and kisses his lips before they get cold. Life is gone. Nobody has lived a successful life unless he lost himself in a cause. A cause. A cause. Maybe you can't preach to 38,000 preachers, but you can take one at the college out there and see to it he gets to go to school. Maybe you can't be a Dwight L. Moody, but you might be a Sunday school teacher like Mr. Kimball was who can win a Dwight L. Moody. Maybe you can't be a Charles Haddon Spurgeon, but you can be a Leland who preached to 15 people one night in a snowstorm when the preacher couldn't get there and Spurgeon got saved. If you couldn't be a Jack Hiles pastor in a church like this, but you might be a Jesse Cobb in a little soul winning club that could teach Jack Hiles how to be a soul winner. Maybe you couldn't be. But you might be a Costal Hiles who could feel his fever proud and work, teach, and train. Could I do if I were you? If I were a mother, I'd give me a cause. I'd go home tonight and put my children to bed. And I'd go to every bed. And 
I'd kneel beside that bed tonight and I'd say, Children, you got yourself a new mother tonight. Now on, my life is going to be given, seeing to it, by training and teaching and praying and Bible reading. See to it that you make me proud of you. If I were you and I were a carpenter tonight, I'd resign my position and become a builder. Do the same thing you're doing now, but don't be a carpenter, be a builder. Don't be a cook, be a shell. Don't be a janitor, be a maintenance engineer. If I had a boy that was young that called me daddy, I'd get down beside Matty's bed tonight when he was asleep, as I've done beside this boy's bed night after night after night when he was little. And I'd say, dear God, I'm going to give my life as a cause. See to it that you make yourself something. If I had a Sunday school class tonight, and I mean this with all of my heart, if I... If I had a class of little girls that sat before me and I were a lady teaching them on Sunday, tonight I'd go home and get on my face before God and I'd get my enrollment book out and I'd read those names and I'd say, oh my God, tonight I give myself a cause, a cause of saying good, these girls turned out right. I'm not going to be just somebody fill up 30 minutes on Sunday morning and give it a loud and I'll be a teacher. I taught a class of boys I'd go home tonight and get those names and get on my face before those names. I'd reside being a teacher. I'd give me a cause. I taught in one of our grade schools, our junior high or high schools, or college. I'd transfer my position for a cause. A cause. A cause. Cause. I ask you a question. Personally, is there a cause? Huh? Huh? Father, burn it like a branding iron in the tough hide of thy people. And I pray that July 8, 1979, between 10 minutes to 8 and 8.42, the auditorium of the First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana, I pray that people can circle this date and circle this hour. It's the hour when they change their responsibility for a cause.